Hey everyone, this is Allison from the Locally Sourced Podcast and welcome to the show. On today's episode, we have a very special guest and his name is Anthony Guardia. Anthony is the Chief Development Officer of Stoneham and Wakefield Boys and Girls Club. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hi, Allison. Thank you for having me. We're happy to be here and uh, happy to join uh, Locally Sourced. Um, great podcast idea and uh, I hope it takes off. This is really exciting. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're very excited. Um, we've had a few locals and I really wanted to reach out to you to get you on the show just because the Boys and Girls Club lately has been all over social media, really helping out the local communities. So I'm glad to have you here and just talk about everything you guys have done lately. No, thank you. It's been, um, man, it's been hard. I feel like today, um, for those of you who probably don't know, we're recording today on the 27th of December and I feel like we can finally take a slight exhale um, because it's just been nonstop um, probably since early October for uh, assistance throughout the holidays and um, I think now we're finally starting to take a little bit of a breather and and just be very very grateful to a community that rallied to us and uh, helped us really support a lot of families uh, in Stoneham and Wakefield and a few of the surrounding towns as well, but mostly Stoneham and Wakefield. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know exactly the clubs, what they do, but in addition to supporting the adolescents of the surrounding towns, you guys also do a lot of um, support of the families in the local communities. Did you want to just mention how you guys been doing that as of lately? Absolutely. And um, to your point, um, just to, you know, back up a little, I mean, what we do, and I think what people know um, the Boys and Girls Club spores, you know, it's we're an after-school program. Basically, after school, when you're in Stoneham or Wakefield, you can come to our clubs or anywhere there's a Boys and Girls Club. You can come and, you know, you can, if you want to go in the homework room, you can go in the homework room. We have tutors there every day. We have, if you want to go into the computer program, we have coding and hackathons and Minecraft and Roblox you go in the gym, we have a bunch of activities from dodgeball to kickball and art. We have fashion and design and painting and, and the list goes on and on. We have all these dynamic programs. But since COVID um, and even before then, we've uh, really expanded to create wraparound programs. So pre-COVID, you know, we started saying, OK, how can we become the best social safety net in the area? So, you know, we noticed there was a, a market increase in um, grandparents raising again. So we started a grandparents raising again support group and started a variety of programs focused towards them. Um, we noticed that there was a big issue with hunger in the community and also with shame around asking for help. So we started some food insecurity programs. Um, we noticed from a variety of different surveys that there was an increase in cutting and self-harm among young people. So we invested in that in programming to directly confront that you know, and what we've really taken on in this area, and especially in Stoneham and Wakefield, is the idea that, you know, we, we use it as our marketing pitch, but it's true, whatever it takes. So, you know, for whatever child that comes through our doors, uh, we're going to do whatever it takes to make them an, a successful adult, you know, to ensure a great future for them. And for every child, that's different. You know, that's kind of and we work very closely with the YMCA. We work closely with our rec departments. We have incredible relationships with all of them. But what differentiates us from other after-school programs is we look at a child and then we create wraparound services around that child to make sure they succeed. 
And um, knock on wood, we've been hopeful. What's um, to get to your question finally, and I know this is a long way to get there. Um, what's been really difficult is with COVID, we've had to expand our program in a way we've never, I don't think anybody expected. Uh, we went from an after-school program to now an all-day program. You know, kids are coming in at 7.30 a.m. and leaving at 6 p.m. And it's mostly for essential workers. And I know when we think of essential workers, we tend to think of, you know, our heroes at hospitals, you know, doctors, nurses, uh, police and fire. But a lot of them are also, you know, retail workers, families who, you know, work at Shaw's, who work at Stop and Shop. Uh, families who may not have as high paying jobs as we consider when we think of essential workers and they're relying on us. Um, and through that, you know, we're providing meals three times a day. We're providing um, learning through their school, through, you know, a laptop Chromebook, uh, through our Wi-Fi, And all those services are coming together at our clubs. And with the holidays, you know, we obviously did our big holiday assistance drive and, you know, this year, you know, I think, again, I've only been there for about a little bit over five years, but in my five years, this is the most request for help we've had for holiday assistance. And uh, to your point, we do more than just after school programming. We, we do help families in need for the holidays, whether it's, you know, whether it's food, whether it's gifts, whether it's care packages or random items of care, we do it all. And uh, this year has just been incredible, the amount of requests uh, for help we've had. The good news is on the flip side, our communities have rallied and we did it by the skin of our teeth. We were able to help everybody who, who needed it or who requested it. That's amazing. And I'm sure the community's just truly grateful. Um, and, you know, I think one of the greatest things that people can see from joining your club and sending their children there is that they're not just getting a membership for the club, but their family and whomever they're a part of them too are receiving the support as well. As you mentioned, not only you're helping develop the students and the children who go there, but also you're supporting their parents, their grandparents, whoever it may be in their, um, in their circle, you're there off helping them whatever they need. Cause as long as it takes a village, as we all know, to help support one child. So that's very admirable of you guys to do that and not just say, no, we're only specific after school program, but here we are looking to help in every way possible. And I think that's the true model of the Boys and Girls Club, not only in Stone and Wakefield, but just in general everywhere. No, thank you. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's the hope. And, you know, we, we look at every child and we say, what can we do? Because, you know, again, if, um, you know, parents are struggling, a child is struggling and it's all part, it's all connected. And even with COVID, um, you know, while everybody's focus was on the pandemic and, and rightfully so, you know, we still had regular life happening and regular life drama happening. And, our social workers and our youth counselors were doing incredible work that they regularly do. I mean, we had, um, God, we had a young woman lose her mom to cancer uh, very suddenly. We had a young man who um, attempted suicide. We had another young, young man and his two siblings lose their father uh, suddenly in a car accident. I mean, we had all these things happen, um, you know, and it's not pandemic related. And we still have to deal with it. And when those things happen, you know, our focus obviously is the child, but we also reach out to the family. You know, we reach out to the uncle and aunt. And I think 
you know, we reach out to the grandparents. And I think what makes our club so nice is that we're a very tight knit staff and you'll see all of us rally when those situations come up. So, you know, you know, using the example of uh, the young woman who lost her mom, you know, we're, we're Facebook searching for relatives to try to get a hold of somebody to say, Hey, if you need anything, let us know. Um, and we did, and we were able to help, you know, we, we do what we can. We work with, you know, we work with local therapists and we work with local hospitals. We work with coaches, we work with the schools. And the idea is to try to create some sort of wraparound program so that these kids don't fall behind. So uh, yeah, to your point, we'll reach out to anybody. And, and again, the example, just to go back to COVID too now, uh, the examples I use is our first few calls for COVID um, were pretty crazy. I mean, we got calls, I remember the first week, uh, Donna DiVirgilio, you know, a pretty big icon in Stoneham. Uh, me and her were trying to get uh, cases of baby formula for a young mom um, who was worried that the specific type of baby formula she needed wasn't going to be around again back in March when nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, so, you know, she turned to us and we were able to get them. Uh, we had people asking for PPE um, and we had 3D printers. So we just started printing them on those and we were handing those out, um, you know, and I think a part of that goes to just having a small enough staff that if you come in and say you need help, I can't always promise you that we'll deliver, but, you know, we'll try our best to do what we can. That's Awesome. And I totally agree with such a small staff. You guys can work as a team. We are always together, always contacting each other. And the thing when you mentioned it's a small knit community, Stonehenge is a small suburban town as is Wakefield, maybe a little bigger, but behind the scenes, not everyone knows what's actually going on. Um, you know, there's, it's not like in a city locations where you do see certain cases are poverty more out in the open, whereas in Stoneham and Wakefield, it's a little more hidden. So the fact that community members or residents feel comfortable going to you guys for the support is just amazing. And I think that's one of the true biggest benefits of having the club in town is they see it in addition to the food pantry or the church. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to go to church if you're not affiliated with. They have that extra alternative, you guys, to help them with any support they need. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's uh, interesting. And if you talk to, um, you know, anybody in the food pantry or, you know, just any cursory research, um, you know, poverty in the suburbs looks a lot different than poverty in an urban environment. And to that end, uh, there's also a lot of shame about asking for help in the suburbs. You don't want to be seen as the poor kid. You don't want to be seen as the poor neighbor. You don't want to be seen at the food pantry um, or requesting help. And to that extent, um, what ends up happening is, especially among grandparents raising again, you know, there's, there's that shame and that fail, failure, that feeling of failure, which is just uh, incorrect and wrong to feel that way, but it's there. Um, so it comes back to us on how do we get around that? How do we deal with it? And you know, a part of it is just being completely confidential with every time we help somebody. And a part of it is to create our programming so that people don't know um, who needs help and who doesn't. So for example, the idea of the meal nights started um, from Joey D'Alessandro. We believe it or not, when uh, we started a few years ago, we didn't actually have meals at the clubs. Um, Joey D'Alessandro uh, made a point that, you know, when he was young um, and there were food programs at the clubs before they had been stopped for whatever reason, I'm not sure. 
Um, you know, the one reason he definitely came to the clubs was because he could get a warm mail there. And him and his sister, no matter what, knew to go to the clubs on the days that the 99 was there for food. So um, he spearheaded the efforts to bring that back. And, uh, you know, we did pasta night, Taco Tuesdays, uh, pizza nights. We did uh, barbecue nights. And the idea is we do breakfast on Saturdays. And the idea is every child is invited. So, you know, you can go to those nights and you can say, wow, a good chunk of the kids who are there probably need, um, probably could get a warm meal at home. They're probably doing fine. But we know for a fact that there are some kids who the best meal they'll have all week is when they come to our clubs that night. But because it's open to the public, because it's open to everybody, there's no shame. It's not like you're coming for the food. You're coming because the Boys and Girls Clubs is simply hosting, you know, Taco Tuesday or pasta night and you want to go and see Joey cook. So, um, you know, and there's a variety of ways to try to get a, get around that. Joey, I think I know him. Um, he was a past club member, as you mentioned, correct? He was. He was. Now he's our Wakefield Club director. That's awesome. Uh, was our team director. And um, yeah, for people who don't know, um, Joey is a, is a great guy. Um, you know, but he doesn't look like your typical social worker. You know, he, um, you know, athletic guy, bigger, buff, um, you know, some tattoos and whatnot. And just, you know, overall, you know, the nicest guy in the world. Um, but, you know, had went through a lot of things in life that made him uh, pursue social work and pursue the clubs. And he really credits the clubs for uh, saving his life and helping him and his sister. Um, and, you know, if he does listen to this, he'll know. Um, he also, he would want me to say he credits me for everything he knows about fitness and athletics. He, um, he, he calls me uh, Big Tony because I taught him uh, almost everything he knows about football and sports and whatnot. It's, um, it's good, though. He, um, I appreciate his support and I appreciate his praise. So, um, so it's true. I know when he listens to this, he'll be nodding in agreement. Oh, I'm sure. And many others who are at the club as well. Yeah. I'm sure you're a father figure to all those kids out there. So, um, no, it's true. And, I, and people who don't know this, Allison, is that, um, you know, for people who know Allison and I uh, were friends in high school, and Allison can attest that in high school, I was, I think, captain of the football team, a jock everywhere I walked. You know, prom king. Yeah, prom king. Hey, I went to, I think I went to your prom too, if I remember correctly. You know so. what? I don't remember much of my high school days, probably on purpose, but I'm sure you <laughs> did. I'm sure you were there and I'm sure you were prom king at our prom somehow. Just That's just how cool you are. So It's true. It's true. Actually, no, I don't think I, I was, but I do remember, um, no, we had a lot of fun. It was- yeah, um, Those were the I good think, old days. I, if I remember correctly, I think we went to Erica Fields' house after. So if Erica ever listens to this, she can- uh, she can remember those fun days too. So, and you know, it's funny those those kids that we hung out with are all club alumni. So it's just so funny how it comes full circle where you you were hanging out with all of us and they were going to the club because I think that's what we did a few times. I didn't go as much as them, but they were huge um, contributors to the club and they were there as well. So um, it's kind of neat that people like us who grew up at the club and like Joey somehow end up working for them or supporting them in so many different ways in the community. No, you're right. You're right. And uh, it is, I uh, talk about going full circle. Um, 
it is so interesting that, uh, you know, I go back and I think of all the people and then you have to remember I wasn't, um, you know, I tell people, I, I didn't come to the boys. I've always been involved in local items, but I didn't come to the boys and girls clubs through my local roots per se. I was uh, in philanthropy before this. I was in at Beth Israel. Um, and then um, again, I haven't had many jobs. I've only had two before this uh, Beth Israel. And before that, um, a homelessness nonprofit agency in Boston called Homestart. And um, you know, when I, got involved with the boys and girls clubs. I even like, wait, how did I not know that everybody I knew growing up had some sort of involvement or some sort of knowledge or, or news at the very least knew somebody who went, if not went directly, at least from Stoneham. And then as Wakefield grew, you know, you're seeing more and more Wakefield people. And um, I think that's, what's exciting. I mean, you know, at least in Stoneham, you go and you like, you talk to the police chief and he was like, Oh, I was a club kid. And you talk to, um, you know, the fire chiefs, like I was a club kid and all these people were, you know, had this type of profound experience at the boys and girls clubs. So it's a, it's a nice feeling and it's a nice legacy when you have um, a place like Stoneham that has so much history. I agree. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. Cause you know, for me back in the day when it was going to the club, my mom, maybe it was just my mom, but she thought it had a bad reputation, but little did she know or anyone who thought the same reasoning um, that the club was there for people who needed it. It wasn't just for the kids who like to hang around and, you know, just do nothing. It was, it was to build them and develop them. And, you know, again, the community, like we know so many people who are alumni and they grew up to be huge members of the community. So, um, you know, the club's been around forever. When did you first learn just about the club and get really involved working there? Well, so it's a, so it's twofold, um, you know, and your mom may have not been in, I, I don't know much about the clubs. I would say in the intermediate years, maybe when, um, you know, we were in high school or maybe younger than that. Uh, I know from its very early days and then most recently, and I can talk about it most recently because there have been some significant changes um, so personally, um, I learned about the clubs when um, I, I basically was talking to a, a friend of mine in Wakefield who wanted to start a boys and girls club in Wakefield. Um, he wanted to start it there because he had um, went to the boys and girls club in Woburn. He thought it would be great to have one in Wakefield. Um, there was a lot of drama about a skate park and kids hanging out at the library. So long story short, um, when he went to open one, boys and girls clubs of America uh, came in and said, listen, uh, Stoneman and Wakefield just have way too similar demographics. Uh, they're geographically way too close. It doesn't make sense to have two executive directors, two philanthropy directors, two program directors, and two of everything. You know, you're going to be chasing the same donors, chasing the same people. Um, it's better to have one organization with two clubs. Um, so Stoneham really kind of helped us get started in Wakefield. Um, and that was my first involvement with the clubs. And then um, I think at that time I was in law school and, uh, you know, I graduated in 2008 when the world uh, ended the first time. Um, and I couldn't find a job in law anywhere. Um, and I ended up, you know, volunteering for a nonprofit. I helped them write some grants, helped them do some fundraising. And I somehow fell into the world of nonprofit philanthropy. And I uh, was at a homelessness agency called Homestart. And um I had a great mentor, a great boss, a great board. Um, I was there for about five years. Um, from there, I went to Beth Israel uh, in Needham, 
um, which was, again, another great job where I learned a lot about major gifts and bequests and, uh, God, just an unbelievable experience. Um, but the commute Wakefield Mass to Needham Mass is god-awful. Um, and eventually I was like, you know, I, I think it was about a little bit after a year. I was like, I got to find something new um, or something closer. And uh, Adam Rogers, the current executive director, uh, who I graduated high school with, um, me and him had been talking and, you know, I'd always stayed in touch with some people at the clubs. And I, uh, I think I applied actually to the Boys and Girls Club in Woburn uh, for their director development job. And I mentioned it to him and he was like, listen, we, we have a lot of work to do in, in Stoneham uh, and Wakefield. Uh, I would love it if you'd come help. Um, and it really, you know, we went in, I think Adam started about three months before me and, you know, people don't give uh, Adam uh, and the program stuff as staff as much credit um, as I think they deserve, because to your point, Allison, uh, when we started five years ago, um, you know, I don't want to paint as dire of a picture as it is, as it was, but I think it's fair to say, you know, the executive director um, had just been dismissed. Um, they had been losing uh, close to $200,000 a year. Um, in revenue, the endowment had gone from a million dollars to about 400,000, the cash reserve, I call it an endowment. Um, and really, to your mom's point, the programming had become, they'd got rid, got rid of food nights, they were closing early on Fridays, um, they didn't have any type of team programming, uh, they were lucky if we had 50 kids a day in Stoneham, God, lucky if we had 20 kids a day in Wakefield. And um, it was really is a drop in center. It was the idea was if your kid comes in, if he's, you know, if he or she's still okay at six, we did our job. Um, to Adam's credit, he completely turned that around. Um, he said, you know, this is not how we're going to do things. Um, you know, what they ended up doing was really um, overhauling programming, overhauling staff. Um, and they said in every single room, in every single area, there's going to be dynamic programming. So if you, you know, before it was just, there was an art room and there was some, you know, some art items. And if you went in, you know, you could color or whatever. No, it's now, if you come to the club, you know, starting at three o'clock, it might be fashion design at four o'clock. It might be woodworking at five o'clock. Um, you know, it might be sewing same in the computer room in every hour in every room there will be something dynamic going on uh, same with the music room we went from there was no music programming to adam really pushed and saying you know we're gonna have music in every club every day for hours on end so again and you're not talking i tell people like you know when you think of the stuff i always say think of it as a series of 101 classes you know if you come to the boys and girls club you might learn some basic guitar you might learn some rhythm. You might learn about music history. You're not going to become an expert, but it gives children that escape to come through. And um, the idea was, would this work? And the results, I think, speak into the level of kids that started, um, the amount of kids, excuse me, who started coming. It went from, again, five years ago, I think we were lucky if we got 50 kids in, Wake, in Stoneham. Uh, now we easily get close to 200 kids every single day. In Wakefield, same thing we were before COVID, of course, uh, we were popping a little bit over 200 children a day at the Wakefields Club. And it's because of this dynamic programming. And, you know, what follows is the revenue side. So we went from losing money to, I think, Adams uh, and I, our first year, I think we were in a deficit of about 80,000. 
our second year we broke even in the past few years uh, we've been lucky to have some small surpluses that we've been able to put towards capital so towards building new team spaces towards um you know expanding into different spaces um towards doing different initiatives that again expand those offerings so um you know we don't want to deny the fact that maybe there was a period and again this was before my time so i don't want to speak ill of it uh, because i feel like i'm a little bit ignorant of it but before my time there was definitely a period where we were not as strong as we we are now and um for a variety of reasons but um we really tried hard to turn that around and i think uh I think to a certain extent we have. Yeah, I think, you know, just from my experience, and it's, it's a very, very little, and probably the same with you, the ignorance of not being there enough. Um, I definitely see the growth and just your presence in the community and on social media, huge. And people see that and they see the club as a positive place. And, you know, just the dynamic programming you're offering is incredible because these are some of these activities such as woodworking, technology, computers, and fashion and food is programs you typically would have to pay for out of the pocket, which could be very expensive, or the public schools have to cut that type of programming. So the fact that you guys are offering it to students and to children at a reasonable price and it's just part of their day and they can choose from a variety just throughout their whole day is a wonderful opportunity for any kid of any age level to really just get their fingers wet and toes wet and just say, do I like this? Do I don't? So you guys are giving really the opportunity for people to truly find their talent and passion and they can say, you know, I found this at the club, I found it with my friends, and just like any place they go to, they have mentors at the club who taught them how to do specific activities and learn their talent. So that's really awesome of you guys to really create a dynamic program where the kids just don't hang around and not saying they don't get free time, but in essence, you guys want to create a routine and make it really towards the kids, kids focused. Well, yeah, and to your point, like, you know, what we tell parents a lot is you might come to the club, uh, you know, if you want your child to come to the club and you expect our staff to say, hey, you have to go into the homework room because your parents say go to the homework room, um, we may not be the, the type of organization for you. If you want your kid to absolutely and definitely do guitar, um, we may not be the program for you. But what we do offer is when a kid comes through our door, they will do something. So if you have a kid who just loves music, they might come through our door at 245 and from 245 to seven, just be in the music room. But in the music room, they're going to have a variety of different programs going on and they will be involved and they will learn. Um, you know, I think, again, and I think that's, again, one of the differences between us and like a Y or a rec department. Whereas, you know, maybe you sign up a kid for guitar lessons or you sign up a kid for Roblox or you sign up a kid um, for baseball with us. A kid comes in and it's like, hey, at 3.30, we're playing, you know, basketball in the gym if you want to play. At four o'clock, we're doing X, Y, Z in another room. And, you know, the kid has the independence to pick which program they want to go into, um, but they will be doing something. And I think that's where they get the freedom. So it's you know, they're not going to come in and just um, hang around or do something, you know, um, that could get them in trouble. Um, they have a, but they also have the choice. So again, they have the choice to go in the homework room and do their homework, or they have the choice to simply 
go in the computer room and learn how to do, you know, a variety of computer coding, which again speaks to our, um, our demographic, Alice. And I, you know, I see these 10 year olds like learning how to code. And I'm like, when I was your age, I learned how to do cursive. And, yeah, uh, I don't think I yeah. keep a Tamagotchi alive, let alone yeah, exactly. code anything to my name. So that, and that's impressive because the fact that they get to go from school doing maybe similar programs and then bridging it over to the club is just amazing. They get the opportunity to get, and maybe at the club, they could be a little more relaxed in terms of what they want to create rather than following a full assignment like they do at school. Um, just in general, what it's the types of like activities they would do, say in a tech program. So, so it, uh, it depends on what we're doing that week, but, you know, for example, um, you know, we had a very successful 3d printing program. Uh, we had a very successful build your computer program. And this was, um, a really cool idea because we had, um, a ton of, uh, people donate old computers to us. And, um, for over at, at a certain point, we were going to start turning them away. Um, but our program staff had a great idea, which is what they started doing was they took apart all the computers. Uh, they took apart all the pieces. And basically, you could come to the club and build your own computer. So you could come in and say, hey, I want, um, you know, hey, we're going to teach you what a motherboard is, what RAM is, what graphic cards are, you know, where they go. Build your own computer and then you can bring it home. And obviously, again, these computers aren't the best, but it's still cool. It's a kid learns what parts of a computer are. Um, and those are the types of programs that we usually have. Now, as I say all this, we're in a COVID world, so we're not really doing our typical programming. Right now, it is much more structured. Uh, everybody's in groups of 10. Everybody's wearing a mask. Um, it's a lot different. But, you know, hopefully uh, in the near future, we'll be back to where we were. And I think, you know, that's awesome that you guys are still providing certain programming, especially now with everything shutting down, possibly a second wave. Um, you guys are really trying to stick with the routines and giving the, the kids the opportunity to have some opportunity to really just keep up with their activities and interests and ensuring that they're still getting the learning and making discoveries that they need to. When you started, were there any certain goals you and Adam had in mind that you've reached or are still trying to reach or kind of a second portion of that goal? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the hope and the plan um, for both Stoneham and Wakefield is new permanent homes. Um, in Stoneham, it would obviously be on the same site since we own the land and Wakefield would be moved. Um, but the idea is we want our own buildings that are new and modern. Um, you know, and I don't know, you know, if it was up to me, I would want to do it tomorrow. Um, but I think, you know, the idea is in the next few years, really, um, A, to lay the groundwork and B, to have a successful campaign that will build um, two brand new facilities in both towns that would really make everybody very proud. Nice. And what would the facilities include? What are you looking towards in terms of developing them? Well, you know, we would have um, a series of, we do like a feasibility study. We would have a series of community meetings to talk about them. I mean, and it would really depend, it really depends on the, the town and what we hear back from. So, you know, you always, you want to build what the community wants. So, you know, if there's a big cry for dramatic, um, for drama programs and arts, we might build a small black box theater at the club. If there's a huge need. I know in Wakefields, there's a huge need for a pool. You know, we would love to have a pool at the club if necessary. Um, but again, it all depends on what the community wants. So we would 
you know, the way it would start is we would, you know, again, let's start with reaching out to the town. We'd have a series of studies. We'd talk to uh, some of our donors and we would go from there. After that, um, we'd probably try to announce what we can do. So, um, so yeah, so that's a terrible way to say, I'm not sure yet. Um, we're having, you know, we, you know, I could probably make an educated guess on what I think people would want, but I wouldn't want to lie to you and tell you that's, that's what they, what we're going to be doing. I think that's, I mean, for you, that's very humble of you guys to do because including the community, it is a community center and just including the members and residents and doing a study truly makes them feel like, I, I know for me, if I was a resident, it would make me feel like it's our club and not just a club that was incorporated by some person who thought we needed this. Rather, you're taking the opinions and the needs of the residents and saying, you're part of this, we're going to create this for you, not just to make profit for us where it needs to be. But in generalize, you guys are the ones helping us build it because this is where we want you to gather and grow up and develop your families. No, absolutely. And, you know, every community is different. I mean, so, you know, for example, um, you know, Wakefield has a tremendous music program. It has for generations. So and so it's no surprise to us, you know, that the Wakefield Boys and Girls Club music program and our program is incredibly successful. Uh, Stoneham, you know, recently has had an incredible athletic run, especially on their football team has had a just um, a run of a few years. So we've seen our athletic programs really pick up. So, so again, to a certain extent, you have to see what is the community need um, and vice versa. What's the community lacking? You know, what does, you know, that's how we came up with grandparents raising again. That's how we came up uh, with the food programs is what are some of the needs that are unfulfilled? And um, I say this, you know, it is exciting to talk about buildings. It is exciting to talk about programs. I mean, that's really what makes people want to donate. Um, but the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, it's all about the people and it's all about our staff and our youth counselors and the connections they build. Um, kids will not go um, to a brand new club if they hate the staff. They will go to a rundown facility that is just god awful if they built those relationships. Um, so, you know, no matter what, those relationships are really going to be the key to success. Um, no matter what happens and knock on wood, we're lucky to have a staff that's built those relationships so far. And, you know, hopefully we'll continue to do that long into the future. And I totally agree with you. I think just as a past educator, those relationships is what brings a child into a, a, a location or a class or just anywhere. And the fact that they feel comfortable going to you guys and talking to you about certain situations or issues or just anything about their day is the key component of running a um, place where kids go to. So did you just wanna kind of talk about your staff at each location and kind of their talents and what they're offering at the time? Well, yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, we're very lucky. I'll go through, um, you know, I'm gonna mention the full time. There's, so first things first, before I go through this, I will say we have an incredible amount of part-timers as well. Part-time staff or just unbelievable, have been doing an incredible job um, building relationships as well. Uh, but I do think I want to mention a few full-timers. So if I miss somebody, it's not an insult. It's not me missing them for any reason other than, um, you know, we just have so many. But in Wakefield, Joey D'Alessandro is the Wakefield club director. He's done an amazing job with that program. Um, and, and I say this, you know, again, people come to Wakefield just to hang out with Joey. There are kids 
who would literally have been saved because Joey's there. Um, and again, he just knows how to build programming. He started the food programming. Um, he knows how to talk to kids who are going through difficult times. Uh, you know, we have a gala video that's running and you see a child uh, who's giving a testimonial start to struggle. Um, I've never seen Joey move so fast uh, to jump on that stage and just talk them through it. Um, in Stoneham, we have uh, Brianna and Amanda who have done an amazing job uh, really focusing on female empowerment initiatives. Uh, they've started like girls talk groups. They've started, excuse me, uh, female STEAM programs. Um, and they've really taken the initiative on in those areas. And of course, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Donna DiVirgilio. You know, she was, <laughs> I think I heard this a while. It was somebody she called, they called her a woman who raised a village. Um, there really probably wouldn't be a boys and girls club anymore without her. Um, she really did so much. Um, so, so her, and then of course, Adam uh, and John Brinkman. Um, John is, uh, you know, the head of the program staff. You know, he's just a great guy. If you ever have a chance to get to meet him, same with Adam. I look up to both of them quite a bit. Um, not just because they're taller. That's a dad joke there. But, um, but because they're also good people. And I know what they would say to you is that they also look up to me because I'm, I'm just as incredible. So, Yeah, I've heard that a few times. I think they yeah. messaged me and they said, you know, Anthony's a really great guy. So yeah. that's, that's what they usually say to everybody. It's, it's true. It must be a political thing, if anything. Yeah, it really is. Um, so no, so yeah, we have a lot of great staff and I, I know I've probably missed a ton of people there, but you know, we're very, very lucky to have that group group together. And it helps that you have such a staff that works together and collaborates because the kids can see that and they can see that every staff member there cares about being there in the club itself and making sure the club is successful in ensuring that the kids are well taken care of. Because like I said before, I'm sure we reiterated a few times, they've been there, they've been those kids and they truly know what it's like to go to the club for the support they need, whether it be social, food, or just anything um, in that sense. So just having a staff that you can praise every day and that's always there, especially now during COVID, these, the people who are working in, are I would consider you guys essential because you're supporting these families who don't, can't stay home or, you know, can't work from home. So a huge praise to you and your staff really sticking it out, ensuring that despite the craziness going on, you guys are making a full effort to ensure the kids are somewhat happy and keeping them safe and so forth. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, and you know, we, um, I can't tell you how many parents, I mean, we've, knock on wood, we've been very lucky that we've had some people who have reached out to us and said, you know, hey, thank you for X, Y, or Z. And, you know, we've always gotten some really nice notes. Um, again, this past year, since COVID, the amount of people who have sent us notes saying, I wouldn't have been able to get back to work, or just saying, you're a lifesaver, or, you know, you know, thank you for everything, um, just has been, been incredible, has been, and very heartwarming and really, you know, makes our staff know how appreciative they, how appreciated uh, they are. So, so, um, so yeah, so we, um, we're very lucky and to your point, you know, those essential workers, 
um, A, they are our staff, but B, we're supporting them. And, and they have said it. They're like, you know, if it wasn't for the boys and girls clubs um, being open right now, we wouldn't be working. You know, we don't know what we would do. And um, that means a lot. It, gives, it motivates our staff every day when we get messages like that. That's awesome. I'm sure many families out there just appreciate you guys being open. And is there any story that truly sticks out to you right now over the past few years you've been there or even just right now? I think there's a few different ones, but I, you know, I want to stick with, um, I guess the COVID here, which is we had um, quite a few families who have reached out for help um, this past year. And, and the story I've been sharing on, you just never know who needs it. And, and I felt like such a jerk when this happened. Um, I had a family call who, um, this is somebody who's been to our gala, somebody who has donated, who has been involved uh, for years in everything we do. Um, and it's a pretty uh, well-regarded family. They called and asked about our holiday assistance fund and me simply thinking, you know, they were calling to donate because that's what they usually did. Um, turned um, to me and said, hey, uh, Anthony, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. Uh, we're actually calling to request help. And that really triggered something in my head is you don't know what people are going through and you don't know the assistance they need um, ever. And, you know, the fact that this person was calling uh, for help must have been so hard. And again, we got we got them assistance. And then, you know, I would really tell people to check out um, our website, uh, check out, you know, we have, we're airing our most recent gala and we have a bunch of testimonials on there and they'll share some stories of some young people who have gone through so much more than um, I could ever imagine. And I tell people like, you know, Allison, like yourself, you know, middle-class kid, middle-class parents, uh, not a lot of drama growing up in my life, you know, not a lot of hardship, uh, knock on wood. Um, you know, so when we talk to some of these kids and they say some of the things and you're like, you know, for, I always share examples of, you know, I had, you know, you see the Christmas list and you see the kids asking for things like hats or gloves or a sweatshirt that fits because theirs is too small, you know, and you see items like that and you're like, I never asked for clothes. I never asked for sweatpants. And, you know, that was just considered part of my, my regular, you know, items that my parents got for me. Um, and you see that when you're really involved in our work. And you hear those stories or you hear about people who just, you know, at 11 or 12 years old had to be both the mother and the father to their siblings because their parents were just not around or not capable. So um, it's incredible things. It's incredible, incredible. Some of the stories of strength you hear. And I would I would recommend people go to our website and just uh, check it out if they can and they can really um, hear more of it. Um, so it is. And what I'll, I will, I warn everybody, they are tear jerkers though. So don't, uh, so be ready. Um, you know, if you're going to, if you go to it, you will, um, you might cry a little bit, which I, I guess is fine. No, it helps. I'm sure it helps with the story in itself. And, you know, I think toilet paper is back in stock. So that definitely helps <laughs> in that realm. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk some, some more about the gala and what it entails and just how it works and how it helps the clubs? Yeah, so we uh, we do a variety of fundraisers. You know, um, I always tell people go to our websites, bgcstonem.org or bgcwakefield.org. Anytime you can give, every little bit helps. It's huge for us. Um, you know, we would appreciate anything you guys, you know, anything anybody can do. 
Um, but what I would also, um, what I would also tell you though, and, um, most, uh, importantly is we also have these events and when they come up, if you could get involved, that would be great. But if you can't get involved, not a problem, but we do a dodgeball fundraiser, which is my personal favorite fundraiser, dodging for dollars. Um, and every year we have, uh, almost 40 different companies, uh, putting together a variety of teams and they beat the hell out of each other playing dodgeball and they crowdfund money. Um, and that's an incredible event. And the highlight is team Stoneham versus team Wakefield, which is a variety of elected officials from both sides, appointed officials as well. Um, we also have what you just mentioned in our most recent event is our annual gala. So we usually host it in the fall. This year it was virtual. It was filmed. Um, and we did a series of interviews with staff. Um, we did a series of interviews with um, honorees this year with Stop and Shop, Shaw's, Brightview, and Life Care Center of Stoneham uh, for their work during the pandemic. And uh, we talked to them about everything they went through, what they're going through now. And um, again, incredibly heartwarming, incredibly inspiring. And I, I just tell you, if you have some time, go check it out. But more importantly, if you can, please donate. Um, and you can donate at those websites, like I told you, bgcstoneham.org or bgcwakefield.org. Um, every little bit helps. And, uh, you know, especially if you could help us out before um, we get too far into the new year, that would be great. When people donate, where is this money going to in terms of um, the distribution of it? So right now, I would say most of our money is going towards COVID relief efforts like everybody else. And by that, I mean, you know, we did not the costs of COVID for us are just incredible because we are, we went from an after school program to an all day program. So for example, um, one of the ones I point out to is, you know, we have pretty good Wi-Fi. Oh, we did not have Wi-Fi that was good enough for us to have a hundred kids all on Zoom all at the same time taking their online learning. So we had to upgrade our Wi-Fi. We had to get headphones for every child. All our school supplies basically had to be doubled because it's now an all-day program. All these costs, our staff time, I mean, literally we were paying staff to work half a day, now we're paying staff to be there the full day. All these costs, and they're all related to COVID, um, have skyrocketed. We were paying more rent because we needed more space because you know we're trying to keep a certain amount of square footage per kid. All these costs have increased. Um, and right now, most of those donations will go to two places, A, to help us cover those costs, two, um, you know, depending on when this airs, if it's close enough, we're still doing some holiday relief efforts. Some of your money would go there as well. Nice. And after COVID is over, where do you typically donations go to? Oh, so usually once the once COVID's over, um, and hopefully that's soon. Um, you know, it can go to a variety of places. So, you know, you can go to our general donors always have the choose the choice if they want something to go to certain programming. So if they're like, you know what, I really want this to go towards um, the gym or I really want this to go towards fashion programming. If not, it'll go towards general programming, um, you know, really helping our staff, whether it's buying computers, buying supplies, um, bringing in, you know, a specialist, um, bringing in more staff so we can have one on one counseling sessions. And then we always ask for capital needs. I mean, you know, we, we own our buildings, but they are older and um, they do need help. I mean, the Stoneham facility, you can walk around and it's pretty easy to see uh, some of the capital needs uh, that are there. 
So, um, you know, our model is that we don't turn a child away. Um, you know, again, that's one of the differences. You, you don't pay, um, you know, you're not paying thousands of dollars just like you do for maybe other lessons or other programs. Um, that's the joy of the Boys and Girls Club. That's how it started. Cameron Bain, a Stoneham resident, started the Stoneham Boys and Girls Club because he couldn't afford to go to the Y in town. Um, so the only way we're able to do that is if people donate. So um, that's really where most of your money is going. Uh, again, but right now it's a little bit different because of COVID. So um, hopefully once this is over, we can get back to our normal, um, our normal life or whatever that looks like. Yeah, no, that's great. Either way, the donations, of course, help anybody. And you're not only donating just to the club, but the money itself is going back to the families of the local communities that you don't, may not know, need help. So, oh yeah, like, I mean, you're like we tell people, like you know, you give us money for our food program, that's going to help families in Stoneham and Wakefield eat. You know, is there any corporations that have really helped you out with those donations in regards to supporting the families? Oh yeah, I mean, I, God, I, I. It's, quite a few uh we're very 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 lucky um you know stoneham bank of course has just been amazing um as they have to anybody in stoneham um dcu for kids uh um, alliance data and epsilon uh, national grid we just had a gentleman um in wakefield called mark trenberg who just donated uh you know saw our holiday fund was a little bit behind and personally donated enough to make sure that everybody every kid who needed help got it um you know so we had uh we've had a lot of people i mean the list goes on and on and I, all our sponsors from uh from the gala we were very lucky to have communities that rallied and helped us and small businesses that have helped us when they're struggling as well now um like i said and you know what i tell everybody you know we don't the con of us not being in an urban environment is we rely on those donations and we need more because we don't have those big foundations that, you know, we don't have a Mark Wahlberg who will shut down our club and simply donate a million dollars like he does for some of the Boston clubs. Um, we do get passed over by some of the bigger foundations who say, you know what, you just don't have enough poverty um, as compared to other clubs. So I tell people who live locally, like, you know, if you could donate locally, that would be huge because, you know, we're sometimes we just simply cannot match the type of need that, you know, certain foundations want to give to. So, um, so yeah, so uh, we're very lucky, but again, any, any and every little bit helps. Yeah, I think, you know, in that retrospect, people, once they realize when they donate locally, how it kind of intertwines it goes to the club and then it goes back to the people and the families and the kids and eventually as things come full circle as we mentioned before the kids come back and give back to the community because they they've gained so much positive um, resources and learning pieces from what's been donated to them they want to give back as they get older so just in terms of donating locally that's a positive um, aspect of donating to the local club itself and you know I think one of the biggest things you guys have mentioned is just the support you've given the kids in terms of um, mental health did you kind of want to talk about that a little bit more oh yeah I mean that's huge I mean at the again it goes back to building the relationships and <clears throat> having those type of social workers on staff 
Um, we were very lucky, you know, we work with Winchester Hospital and Leahy Health, um, who have really funded a program called SPURT. I mean, spearheaded this program, program that allows us to screen for behaviors of risky activities or the signs, first types of signs of some sort of mental disorder and really get children the help that they need. Um, so, you know, we've created or are trying to create you know, a type of program where a child's mental health comes first and we, you know, we can talk to them um, about a variety of issues where it comes from, you know, self-harm issues to anxiety and to depression and where we can screen for them and really, you know, if we see an issue, do what, I'm not trying to use the marketing terms, but do whatever it takes to try to nip that in the butt. Um, because, you know, again, those relationships help and study after study after study shows that if you have an adult mentor that you trust who comes in and says, hey, you know, and we're not talking in a, a figure of authority, you know, not a police officer, not a teacher, no offense to them, they're wonderful people, but a mentor that you trust, somebody as a friend, somebody that you're maybe in our teen center that you're playing Madden with, or somebody that you're hanging out with doing an activity you like, or you're playing guitar with, when they tell you, hey, don't drink or, hey, have confidence in yourself or, hey, they build that relationship. You know, studies have shown that level of impact. You know, sometimes it's hard. I know if I was a kid and I was in school myself, I'm a little more introverted. I wouldn't go off to a teacher and talk to them. But I know if I was at the club outside of someplace that's more relaxed per se, I knew I'd be able to talk to someone in that retrospect. So just a student or a child knowing that they can talk to someone in a more relaxed environment, more socially is probably easier for them to really connect with anyone there. Not saying they can't do it at school, but sometimes school kind of gives you, like, as you said, authoritative piece. Whereas the club is like, oh, I'm hanging out with Joey. We're just playing Madden. By the way, this happened. So that's really great. Your staff is getting trained in their social workers and they're educated in that respect. And as I mentioned, the money that's donated to you guys is just going back into the community to ensure these children and anyone who attends is living a healthy and happy lifestyle. Well, no, you're right. I mean, and to your... Um... To your point, I mean, that's the whole theory that Winchester Hospital and Leahy Health really um, invested behind um, is that the SPURT program and other social work programs um, are more effective and can get more of an honest answer from children when they're done in a non-authoritative setting where a child feel, feels more comfortable. And again, that's not a shot at public schools or our police or anybody. I think anybody who works in those environments can say, yeah a kid will open up more if they trust the teacher. And I say, you know, listen, I have one of my best teachers and actually a dear friend of mine now, Jonathan Barris. Um, he was my TV teacher. And just, you know, I would tell him things that I wouldn't tell any other teacher, but because we had built that relationship. And again, that's what all our kids, uh, what all our staff tries to do with all our kids is build those relationships. So there is that trust. And then our staff is trained on a variety of just social work techniques that, you know, will hopefully help kids open up. And then once they open up, be able to take the next path to, um, you know, the next step to make sure, you know, we're cutting off any activities or any type of signs of danger that we see. Now, what trainings have your staff done to ensure they're well informed and updated on every, um, on the need for such services? Oh, they've done a ton. Uh, I mean, I'm going to, 
you know, miss him out. But, you know, again, this is where Winchester Hospital, Leahy Health funding has gone um, just above and beyond help us to do quite a bit. You know, they've uh, we've done chil- trainings with Children's Hospital. We've done trainings with our coalitions. We've done um, trainings uh, with the local hospitals. So um, it's quite a bit. I mean, there's a few programs. One's called Craft. Uh, one's called QRT. Um, and really, if you ever want to talk to some of our staff about them, um, just the way it works and the ideas behind them that, you know, the techniques you use um, are pretty incredible. And even, um, you know, for example, I do philanthropy and I was at the training with Boston Children's Hospital and uh, it was amazing just talking to them and learning from what they did. Again, and we've done trainings with the Middlesex District Attorney. Um, so there've been a few and they're constantly learning. Um, and that's a credit to John who really, and Adam who really pushed them to just keep on going. Um, so every time there's a new training program that comes out, they'll go to it. And again, another kudos to the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. Um, they're on a national level. Uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs of America will send us uh, new trainings and materials if they're not low. You know, we're lucky we're in Boston. You know, we have such a great academic environment here that we tend to get, you know, we kind of learn about certain techniques and programs before national does. But we also national will send us quite a few um, programs that are just great for our staff to learn. So um, again, I know that's a long winded way of saying, answering that question, but there it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot and it starts, um, it starts probably with our local hospitals, but it expands, you know, like I said, you know, we've ha- even had the district attorneys at one point help us out. So with a, a variety of trainings, so it's been, it's been wonderful. We're very lucky. And that's great that you guys keep up with your trainings and staying with um, the updates of what the needs are for the kids, especially now. Um, Do you have any staff, like I've noticed a few of your staff who had such training have moved on to really become an educator or anything else. So your staff looks like they're taking their trainings and the support they're receiving moving on, not to better things, but something they really hope to do from taking a small step from the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, no, we have, um, listen, I think it's a compliment. We have some staff that have gone on to do some amazing, amazing things. Um, and we get it. You know, we have some staff that have started as AmeriCorps. They come in, they work with us for a year or two while they get their master's, um, while they study in a profession, you know, in their related field and then go on. I think of Alex Brown, who was a great, great staff member worked with us his dream was to be a teacher and now i think he teaches uh middle school math in winthrop we have people who were studying to get their masters in early education once they got their masters you know got their dream job um so we're lucky i mean i think that's kind of a nature of the beast in all nonprofits. Uh, even when i was at homestar we had a lot of americorps members who came in worked with us for a few years while they got their education and then um, went on to, uh, I, again, I don't want to say bigger and better things, but went on to fulfill their dream. And um, for us, it's a lot of educators. We have a lot of people who start as teachers, um, who start, get their uh, master's while they're working for us, and then go on to be uh, really successful educators or social workers um, in local areas. And I think that says a lot about your staff. This Again, it's just not a part-time job where they're in and out. They're able to connect. They love their job 
I'm guessing. I'm, I mean, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get to but work with me. As exactly. So that's a plus right there. That's the only plus they need. Um, but you know, and not to talk badly, it's not like they're bagging groceries all day. Um, which is I, I have done. So I mean, a job is wonderful to have, but I think for your job, it it takes a certain personality and a certain love for what they're doing. And as you mentioned, they're moving on to industries where they built their skills with you guys in terms of working with kids, learning how to cope with certain behaviors, learning how to build their confidence and just in general, and they become social workers and they become educators or worked in the field where they were utilizing these skills they built from working at the club into what they're doing now. So again, that well, says a lot right. about who you hire. Well, you're right. I mean, and um, to that point, I mean, we look for that. You know, we look for people who want to, you know, be in this field. And also to your point, you know, you have to have a certain, and I use the word toughness um, in this regard, not, you know, like physical toughness or, um, you know, it's a emotional and psychological toughness because you're going to hear some stories and, you know, like you hear kids and I even seen it, you know, when they're crying in front of you or they're opening up in front of you, you need to be able to really respond and really become, um, you know, a sort of guardian for them if they don't have anybody else. And to do that, um, there's just, you're a special person. And those are the kind of people we look for. I mean, you know, and you need to, and that's a special type of person to do that. So um, we've been very lucky. We've had some really good staff who have um, stepped up and done that. And to your point, have gone on to do, again, some incredible things with their career. Like I said, your staff is invested. It's amazing just to see the club grow. Not that it was awful from the beginning, but as you said, the numbers were down. Kind of wondered what was going on as I was living in this town and now just to see the club big as it is have a lot of participants getting the um, donations and so forth it's just amazing and props to everybody who's been involved to make it what it is and you know I wish you luck in the future I hope to see you guys really get an awesome location where the kids can thrive even more um, and do you want to mention any information how to contact you for any donations or the website I would tell people to go to BGC Wakefield or BGCStoneham.org, either one. Um, they both go to the same website, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and, you know, I would tell people, you know, uh, if you ever want to contact me, it's a guardia, G-U-A-R-D-I-A at BGCStoneham.org. Um, you can also go on our Facebook, BGC Stoneham Wakefield. Um, you know, we, it's us. When you send us a Facebook message, it's my cell phone. It's John's cell phone. It's Adam's cell phone. Um, you know, we're always happy to talk to people about anything they have. And again, the joy of being a small staff, no matter how crazy the idea, no matter how crazy the request, uh, please send it over. And if, you know, we'll do what we can, you know, we, we tell people we'll, we're always willing to help. Um, I don't know if we can always do it, but if we can, we'd love to. And it's so true. I mean, just to attest from my situation with you guys, I work at the church locally. We started a summer program and I actually reached out to Anthony and said, hey, we have these kids in the summer, but we're only doing half a day. How can we make this work to ensure that these um, students had a full day of supervision to ensure they stay safe and have activities to do? So Anthony and the club figured out a way with us to collaborate and to ensure 
that the students coming from our program over to them were safe and they had transportation and they did an awesome deal for these kids. So again, the club's not just for people who tend the club, the club's there for the whole community and anything you need, it looks like they can handle whatever you come towards them the best they can and they collaborate with everybody, so. St. Patrick's and St. Florence are, uh, we're lucky. We have some great faith communities who have really helped us out quite a bit, um, not just recently, but in um, for the many years we've been in this, these communities. And that just shows it takes a village to raise any child in the community, you know, um, such a small knit community like we have in Stone on Wakeville, just any, I think our surrounding areas where small knit communities and we have to be there to help each other. And with COVID, more than ever, a lot of people need the support and like the church and like everyone else, the club is just looking to help in every way possible. So please reach out to them for any type of need and hopefully they can find some help or if not, they'll you know, send you to someone who can help them. Um, the club has been around forever and I think their motto still stands. Um, their mission, which is Anthony? Yeah, whatever it takes. So, oh no, our, well, that's our marketing slogan, you know, it's to ensure great futures, but um, our, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to uh, ensure great futures for our youth. And uh, that we really believe that we, we really, we really, really do. We do. We'll, and you'll hear us say it and we'll laugh when we say it, but it's the truth. I don't know what it is. It's just something about the club. It's been around forever. It's been a staple in so many areas and the fact that it's growing and becoming more and more successful is just amazing. And I think a lot, every town could use a club. I'm sure a lot of parents can attest to it. So thank you, Anthony and your staff, everybody there for what you're doing. And, you know, most importantly, thank you for supporting this local podcast. I really appreciate it. As you said, this is the only, this is a little amount of downtime you have. So just coming on this show in general just shows your um, investment into the community. So thank you. No problem. Thank you. And, um, you have a you have a good night, Alice, and thank you so much for having me. You too. And once you have it, guys, the locally sourced. And this was Anthony Guardia from the Boys and Girls Club of Stonehand and Wakefield. 